0: All right, so this is Thanksgiving season. Uh, For us, we have a beautiful American cousin called Sarah, and for over a decade, we have been celebrating Thanksgiving the last Thursday of November um, because of her influence. But honestly, I think it is a worthwhile tradition to adopt, um, better than Halloween. And um, so for the months of October and November, I call it my Thanksgiving season, and there are pumpkins out in our house because it is a picture of harvest. And um, we just feast a lot, and we just give a lot of thanks, and I think it's a beautiful way to end the year, to take a few moments to reflect and look back and to acknowledge the gift of the grace and goodness of God. And so I want to um, just kick off this Thanksgiving season for us as a community, because we're going to enjoy Thanksgiving together on uh, thir- on Sunday the 28th. But I want to kick off with this scripture as a theme. Celebrate God all day every day. This is Philippians 4 verse 8. You can close your eyes, absorb these words. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in Him. And revel means enjoy in a lively, noisy, dancing, celebratory, partying kind of way. I give you permission to revel in your delight of the Father. Don't worry or fret. Do not be anxious about anything. Let your petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. With thanksgiving, let God know your concerns and requests. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come down and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I'm going to repeat that. It is wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. There's going to be a divine exchange this morning where you are worried and anxious. We are going to allow Christ to come to the very center of our focus again. We're going to realign our lives just around who He is. And He's going to displace worry with a sense of wholeness and well being. Friends, I think many of us have had increasing anxiety and worry over the past two years, maybe even longer. You do not have to raise your hands if you are experiencing any of the following. Waking up at night, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, grieving over what's been lost, uncertain or fearful of what's to come, overthinking, racing thoughts, panic, difficulty concentrating. Hey, don't raise your hands. But all of us, to some extent, have a level of worry, maybe just mild worry or anxiety over things. Maybe actually you have a severe sort of mental health issue around this. And um, I was just researching this week in preparing for this morning, there's a global increase in anxiety and in mental health. The South African Depression and Anxiety Group released a set of statistics the past couple of weeks that between January and September of this year, they received 466,000 calls, an increase of 47% on 2020. And for their suicide helpline, they received 85,516 calls. That amounts to to 2,200 calls per day in the last nine months. Okay, so whether you are facing this personally to some degree, whether you know your brothers and sisters around you are facing this level of anxiety or worry, or whether you're just aware of the fact that globally humanity is in this place, I think we need to take the question to Jesus, and what do we do now? And so I'm going to speak this morning on such a simple topic, which is so complex, actually. Do not worry. And that is the title of the chapter in Matthew 6, and it's actually overly simple, right? Right? just do not worry. Okay, that sounds really easy, but it's so hard. And um, I, I feel like we need to come back to the simplicity of it this morning. A couple of weeks back in home church, Rob said to us, maturity is simplicity. Maturity is simplicity. And I want to say, when you get too complex about God, your walk with God. The questions you have, the promises that haven't happened, the, the breakthrough you're waiting for, the questions, the answers, the issues, the complexity of it all, I want to encourage you to come down to the simplicity because maturity is actually found in the simplicity. And it's its an amazing tension because the gospel itself and, and who God is, is beyond what we could ever fathom or comprehend or begin to wrap our human mind around, and yet you receive it in the simplicity of a little child. So we're going to receive Jesus's words this morning of, do not worry. And I know that many of you have felt that prophetic sense at this time of, we're crossing over the Jordan into a season of harvest. Uh, We've been unpacking that as a leadership and as a community over the last couple of weeks, what harvest means, what it looks like, what transition looks like. Um, But what, is, what does the Lord say to um, the Israelites as they're crossing into inherit their promises, okay? So the Lord is always inviting us to a greater level of inheriting the promises that were received for us by Christ and his fulfilled work on the cross, okay? The Holy Spirit continually leads us into the fullness of what that means for our lives. Um, and what, is, what does God say as the Israelites are preparing to go across the Jordan into the promised land? Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. Okay? Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified worried or anxious do not be discouraged for the lord your god is with you wherever you go that let me tell you is the voice of the father over the season i personally want to be really strong really courageous really bold really confident not in my own ability but in my grounding in the father in in my awareness of the presence of the spirit with me i tell you there is a level of confidence and boldness that sons and daughters get to walk into and so part of that is hey and don't worry Don't be terrified. And let's unpack that a little bit together. So, Matthew 6 seems like such a simple truth, but we're going to receive it as children. And what's so interesting is that simple truth often gets to the very heart of the matter. Don't you sometimes feel like you sit with someone and they're like weaving the complexity of whatever they're feeling or facing or whatever? But if you go to the simple root, Uh, 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 because it's too real. The simple is often the root of all of that like spider web of stuff. And so I find in the simplicity of the parables that Jesus brings, it like goes to the root and you almost don't want to hear it because it's too simple, but that's actually exactly what we need to hear. So this is from the Gospel of Matthew. It's Matthew 6, and um, Matthew is a gospel about the heavenly kingdom, okay? It's about um, unpacking to the Jewish nation that Christ is king. He is the Messiah they've been waiting for. And um, so Matthew wants to tell us about heaven and the reality of heaven in the earthly events of the life of Jesus. It's the beautiful way of weaving Jesus' prayer in heaven on earth as it is in heaven what's happening in heaven let it come through earth the best picture of that is the life and ministry of Jesus himself right so Matthew is telling us about this ministry this heaven to earth ministry through this man Jesus son of God son of man so he's a hundred percent son of God the fullness of the Father and the Holy Spirit dwelling in him. When you look at Jesus, you see the Father and the Spirit, okay? You get the fullness of the Trinity. But he's also the Son of Man. He is forever human in the fellowship of the Trinity. Remember when Stephen is being stoned in Acts, he looks up to heaven and he sees the Son of Man. He sees Jesus. For eternity, Jesus is in the the form of human. He's in human form. It's just amazing. And we are mysteriously included in him. He will never be superior, looking down his nose at you, trying to get you to attain an, an ideal, lofty ideal. He's filled with compassion and mercy and grace, because he understands humanity. He was clothed in skin, and we need to let that sink in. But what Jesus did is he actually showed us what it means to be fully human. Human was not meant to be separated from God, sinful, broken, distorted. Human was meant to look like Jesus knowing brokenness but never broken, seeing sin and separation but never sinful, knowing sadness but being full of joy, knowing pain and abuse and abandonment and yet fully walking in relationship with the Father. You see, Jesus is not just a picture for us, to attain and he is a picture of us because as we are reborn by the spirit in salvation we are born in the line of Jesus as sons and daughters we get to live in fellowship with the father in the same way through the spirit taking from this intimacy just like the garden of eden the intimacy of relationship and trust with the father and spreading that peace and joy and the realm of the holy spirit to the chaos of the world around us we are within us, the expanding Garden of Eden, if that makes sense, from our relationship with the Spirit and with the Father. Okay, so we get to see this beautiful life of Jesus unpacked. And what Jesus is so amazing at doing is using simple stories the farmer, the coin, the sheep, life, everyday stories to tell the profound truths of the kingdom. And I want to say now that it is in the simple things in your life that most often the king, Jesus, and his kingdom wants to be made known. Your relationships, your home, your marriage, the functioning of your internal world. We think it's about the big spiritual moments, and it's also that. But he wants to be known in the simple of your life. Okay, so let's get to Matthew 6. And um, Matthew 6 is really beautiful. It's positioned in like a a collection of the greatest hits of Jesus, kind of, like all these different tracks. It starts with Matthew 4, which is the Sermon on the Mount, uh, where Jesus basically unpacks the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. And then it goes through all these different things that he teaches on, for example. And it's always a spotlight on heart issues, right? So Jesus comes and he says, it's no longer about what you do externally, not worried about your external behavior. I am worried about the transformation of your heart. So he goes to the heart issue straight away. He talks about money and he says, essentially, you have one audience when it comes to your money. No one knows why you buy what you buy, why you spend what you spend, why you save what you save. No one except God. There is one audience. And the thing about money and why it's so important is because it can become God to you because it provides safety and you can trust in it. And it becomes this place of God on the throne of your life. So he's like, You need to check in your heart because you've got one audience. Don't let me see how much you give. Actually, go to the Father. Let your heart be transformed and let the way that you deal with money reflect a transformation of your inner world. Okay? Jesus talks about storing up treasures in heaven, which is a beautiful parallel with Colossians 3 that we unpacked a couple of weeks ago, um, where Paul says, Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, um, because you are have died and you are now hidden with Christ. Now his disciples could not have a clue that through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, they would be seated in heavenly places where they are told to put their treasure they couldn't have a clue. But this is this beautiful parallel where Jesus begins to unpack the reality of kingdom living. And then Jesus teaches us how to pray, our Father who art in heaven, you know that one. And then we get to Matthew 6. So I'm going to read it out. If you want to close your eyes just to receive this beautiful little story, do that. Matthew 6 verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life The little footnote says, or a single cubit to his height. I think that's so hilarious because obviously your height is completely out of your control. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, each day has enough trouble of its own. Boom. That is a solid teaching right there in that little, uh, that little chapter of Matthew 6. So let's unpack some of these things. Friends, most of our problems are rooted in unbelief or wrong thinking, okay? Where we haven't landed or been established in who God is, in the promises of scripture, or in who he says you are. For us to be non-anxious and peaceful and free of worry, we have to root ourselves in his nature. And that makes us fully confident as sons and daughters. This passage is about the nature of the father. Jesus is revealing for the first time, you can know God as father, as a good Kind, lavish, extravagant father. And if you can get that as the core theme of this passage and root your life in that, that's where the confidence in navigating the material realm will come from. Um, I love the scripture in, in 2 Corinthians 10, okay? This is from the Passion Translation. We can demolish every deceptive thought that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. And the translation here says rebellious castle." So what we do is we have thoughts, we have beliefs about God or uh, beliefs about the world or ourselves that are actually built as a rebellious castle against the truth of the scripture and against the truth of who God is. And we run into those places when things get tough. And 2 Corinthians 10, Paul is telling us, you can, with the Holy Spirit demolish that faulty belief system. He says we can capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist it bow down to the obedience, in obedience to the anointed one. When you read this passage, it's like you have to take this thought system as the Spirit reveals and actually allow it to bow down to the supremacy of Christ. Friends, in in facing challenge, in feeling squeezed or pressure, it is an invitation. It is an invitation for the Holy Spirit to transform your thinking. You are all facing invitations right now. In some way, an area where you're feeling stressed or squeezed or challenged, it is an invitation. And I want you to say yes to the Spirit this morning. Yes, Holy Spirit, I'm going to let you demolish these rebellious castles of thinking that have set themselves up against the truth of who you are in my life. It is an invitation this morning. You see, Christ actually purchased the fullness of your freedom at the cross. That is scripturally true. You have been set fully free by his work on the cross, but our minds need to be transformed. Romans 12, we need to be renewed as, our, as the Holy Spirit teaches us to think differently. The places where we're not free are often the places where we are blocked to the truth. Of what the scripture reveals, of what the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us. It's an invitation. An invitation is a beautiful thing, it's a good thing. I know we often feel um, safe in our rebellious castles, you know, but we're not. We're safe in our good, 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 good Father. We're safe in our good, good Father. So Ma- Matthew 6 tells us don't worry about what you need or what you want. We all have needs or wants. Your Father cares about you extravagantly and lavishly. Last week, my dad, we did this beautiful demonstration in our home church with Hamish and my dad. You know my dad. He's Helmut. He's Germanic in his manner. So a lot of you are scared of him. He's not here this morning. They're away for the weekend. Um, But he's kind of formal and brusque and harsh. But for us who know him, like Mila, Maddie, and I, we actually speak in a German accent when we talk about our papa. And we say, oh, we love our papa so much. He is so cute. And everyone's like, cute? Helmet? What? So anyway, my dad's standing on this side of the room and Hamish is on the other side. And uh, he was informed. And he turns to my dad. He's the prodigal son. And my dad runs across the room. Everyone's like, what is Helmut doing? He runs. He embraces Hamish and kisses him on the cheek. And Mila and I are like, oh, this is so cute. Papa is so cute. Because we know my dad. We know his heart for us. Like he is probably one of the safest people in our lives, right? And you might look at him and you might have a different impression. And I think it's a really good analogy of God because we look at him and some of you may have had awful earthly fathers or not happy homes or, you know, we have that stuff and we look at the father, but the father is so cute. (laughs) He is so good. He is so extravagant. He is running with his lavish generosity to you as you wait, like as you look to him, he's already running. So really running with his extravagant love. So this passage is not saying all material desires are bad, be more spiritual. That's actually New Age thinking in a lot of ways. It is not saying material desires are bad, be more spiritual. It is saying refocus your relationship with material things and this earthly reality in the context of trusting a good, good father. If you start with the material and the things you want and need, you're at a dead end, okay? It's imbalanced. If you start with the good, good father, the embrace of the father through the person of Jesus, then the material realm gets its context and its truth from that spiritual realm. That is what this passage is teaching. And your understanding of God's care and love for you has the ability to actually remove anxiety. Friends, when we come into Christ, we are co-crucified with him. When you receive the gift of salvation, this becomes the theological truth, the truth about you. You're co-crucified with Christ, buried with him, and resurrected with him, seated with him in heavenly places. And then he fills you with himself, with his spirit, okay? You're all disbelieving, separated from God, sinful self-died that self was a slave to worry, fear, and anxiety. You were alone, but you're now in Christ, and your old life is dead, okay? You're a born-again, brand-new creation, and it is in that new creation reality to believe God. Do you know that? It is in the DNA of your new creation reality to trust the Father. You want to. You want to, and you have the Holy Spirit in you, and the Holy Spirit is Jesus, is the Father, and he's teaching you to trust in a greater way as you walk in step, as he teaches you, guides you, as he's your friend. So, so, so beautiful. Sometimes we are more comfortable with our old natures, and I want to encourage us this morning to leave them dead and buried where they have been um, because of Christ. I want to tell you the sweet analogy that I heard this week, um, that it's kind of like you had a car, and you had times in this car and then you decide to sell it and you sell it on like wheely wheelie cars, whatever it's called, wheels for cars, cars where buy your car online, and you sell your car and you find actually that your neighbor, like two houses down, has purchased this car. And so he he comes and fetches it, he drives it into his driveway and there it sits. Great. Done. And then you're rummaging through this box of stuff, and you find the spare set of keys. And you're like, oh, I had a really good time in that car. I had really fun wild rides in that car. Let me quickly like, just sneak and go and start the ignition and take it for a spin what is that? It's stealing. <laughs> okay. And it, okay, this analogy has some flaws in it, but isn't it a beautiful picture of like, that's your old dead self. And Jesus paid a really high price with his life to get rid of that. Can we just leave it there and not keep wanting to carry the the old man self around with us? It's such an important thing to take to the Spirit and be like, I'm going to leave that one there. I'm not going to go back and carry my dead old self. Teach me to live like Jesus because you told me that I am now like him, born again by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, a new creation. So teach me to live in fellowship with the Father where where I can not worry. So I want to encourage us this morning. I want you to stop, and I want you to look at the birds this week, and I want you to wonder. Jude and I, in the mornings when I'm having my coffee, we watch these two birds. They're always there. It's a scruffy. I don't even know what kind of a bird it is. It's like a gray-brown with like a orange beak. Scruffy, I call him Chuck, and then he's always got his wife, Doris. Chuck and Doris, okay? So I'm like, there's Chuck and Doris, and we watch them, and they find worms everywhere. I mean, our garden is like an amazing ecosystem of earthworms and they find seeds and like we watch them hop around friends this is the amazing thing of the picture that jesus uses in matthew 6 those birds rob and i planted that garden okay we tend that garden we plant things and we look after it they come they take the seeds they take the worms that they never planted and they it's an ecosystem that's got nothing to do with them that they get to benefit of Now, that is huge. There is a truth in sowing and reaping, 100%, where you reap, you will sow. You reap in kindness, you sow in kindness. There is a truth, but there's a higher truth. To that, and that is the grace of God. And that is what is phenomenal about this picture, is that he promises his grace to you, that he will provide where you cannot even see, where you haven't even planted, from an ecosystem that is so much bigger than you could ever comprehend, he will provide for you because he is so big and so lavish. So, so to sure, but the grace and the extravagant lavish nature of the Father is actually what's being highlighted here. Friends, in this world, I believe that our lives are to become a city of peace. If the world is facing so much chaos and anxiety and worry, and and in in an essence, they're alone in their minds because they do not have this relationship with the Father, we get to be citadels, cities of peace. Um, There's this beautiful uh, picture in the Sean Connery movie about King Arthur where these lonely travelers come up, And they come over the crest of the hill and they see Camelot, the city of light and safety. And just like, you just want to be in that good place. That's our lives. And people are able to come into that because we are sons and daughters of peace. And we are citadels of peace as we trust the Lord. Isn't that like, so beautiful. The second comparison that Jesus uses, and I'm going to wrap up shortly, is uh, this look at the wildflowers. Okay. So you're going to go and and sit with your coffee for like a whole 10 minutes. Okay. Not checking your phones. Not, not like keep them somewhere else. And you're going to look at the birds. And if there aren't any, go somewhere else for longer until you can wonder. And then you're going to go look at the wildflowers. And what Jesus does here is what bar does he use? Solomon. He says, look at the wildflowers. Not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like this. Now, this is not a serious, stingy God. Do you know who Solomon was? He was the greatest, wisest, wealthiest king in Israel. That is the bar Jesus is using here. He's like, the wildflowers are even more, have more splendor than what Solomon did. It's so profound because this is not a call to the bare minimum. It's a call to see how extravagant and good our father is. It is also not a call to materialism or name it and claim it like, I need this, I want this, so the father because he's so rich is going to make me like Solomon. No, then you've missed the point completely. It's not that, but it is not a call to the bare essentials. It is a call to be embraced by the father through Jesus and let that reality be made so known to you that the material world makes sense because he actually shapes our desires as we walk with him. Our heavenly father is not just serious or practical. He is extravagant and good, and your heart is important to him. This is not a recipe for materialism, but a re-establishing us in the goodness of our father, rooting our blessing and our flourishing in his character and not our circumstances. I think this is a really important moment Um, you know, the worldview is who will take care of me if I don't? No one else is going to. It is a worldview absent of of God, okay? And it is sneaky. It is the worldview of humanism. It is a belief system that people are at the very center of the universe. There is no space for religion or God. People are on the throne. And um, science and reason are the logic Science and reason make perfect sense if you have the lens of the Father, by the way. But humans are at the center. Science and reason, it came through the Enlightenment and the the Renaissance. And now we are the big cheese, human on the throne. It's the self-gospel. I'm on the throne of my life. I'm at the center. Be true to you. You do you. You speak your truth, okay, which has led to moral uh, relativism, okay? That means there's not one thing that is right, What's right for you might not be right for me. Like, don't tell me what's right for me. That's moral re- relativism. It's got the, this humanism. has it, It's come at a high cost to humanity. Loneliness, anxiety, mental health, because we're alone. No one's looking after you except you, so you better work harder to do better. Um, and we need to actually, this beautiful where you are filled with worry and anxiety is a wonderful opportunity for you to realign your life with Jesus as the center, where he is the source of our lives and everything that is fruitful comes from him. Remember that plant that I brought that once? He's the center of our lives. Every part of our lives from his presence, his voice, his goodness, the reborn Jesus that is inside of us that is flowing out into our lives. We are not alone. We are embraced by the Father And so what if you feel like you haven't had a great season, you've had a tough season and you don't actually have what you need? Okay, many of us feel that way. I want to say it is an opportunity to change your worldview. It is an opportunity to have the spirit shape your thinking. It is an opportunity for confidence and boldness and courage and strength to be rooted in you as you find yourself rooting in the nature of the Father instead of your circumstances. an ending on seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. How absolutely beautiful. This passage realigns our heart that blessing comes from the King. What is on your heart is important to the Father, but when you go after all these things, it's a dead end and they are empty. But if you go after the King, the desire of all nations, Jesus, All of that, he promises is going to work out anyway. What a beautiful alignment to lean into him, to surrender again to him. When he starts Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That means blessed are you if you are needy of God. The world tells you neediness is shame. You should be independent. And Jesus said, neediness of God is when you are blessed. And the word blessed that he uses, to wei hon, meaning enriched, happy, fortunate, delighted, blissful, content. You're blessed when you need God. Don't let the world tell you that's weakness. That's your strength. It's your badge of shame to be fully dependent on the Father and on Jesus. Badge of honor. Badge of honor. What did I say? It is the badge of honor to be dependent and in need of God. It is your badge of honor and not of shame. Thank you. Okay, I'm finishing with this. This is my very last thing that I'm saying. Anxiety comes from looking at our future without God. This is what I want for us in this season of Thanksgiving gratitude and hope. Gratitude, Thanksgiving, looks backward thanking God for his faithfulness, and it reorientates our heart to see the gift now because God works everything in our past for our good, Romans 8. Okay, Hope looks forward, pulling the future into the present with an active expectation that God has gone before us to make a way so that we can be fully present here today. You cannot worry about tomorrow. God will take care of that. We can be present in the presence today, fully enjoying that feasting table. You and I get to live a celebratory lifestyle because we live in the victory of what Jesus won on the cross and his actual personal His actual personal presence with us. So we become Psalm 23, setting a feasting table in the face of our enemies. We, we live a celebratory lifestyle, not because our circumstances are necessarily perfect, because of the victory of Christ. So we are here today losing sight of ourself and getting our eyes fixed on Jesus, focusing on his victory at the cross and living from our life union with him. Friends, I want to say that the problems we have here in this moment are an opportunity for us to trust him more. So I'm going to end right now. I've got a short prophetic song that I'm going to play for you. So I would like you, it's five minutes, four minutes, 30 seconds. So if you can just <sighs> metaphorically look at the birds and wonder at the grass for just a moment and close your eyes. Find a, find a position that is comfortable for you, whether you stand, whether you sit. And we are going to listen to this word and we are going to be completely caught up in the fact that he loves us so much. And we are so taken care of by our good, good father. Let that truth sink in. And we're going to close. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We just lay bare every part of our lives before you now. Every part of who we are. And we just thank you, Holy Spirit, that we are embraced by you. You wrap us in the presence of the Lord. And we love you, Daddy God. You mean everything to us. In this moment, we come into alignment. We just look at you and we know you are everything to us. Jesus, you are everything to us. Every desire is met in you. And we mean everything to you. That is the most overwhelming thought that we mean everything to you and I just thank you right now that across the space Holy Spirit that you just lift the heaviness of worry and anxiety and we get it to walk this morning into the freedom of confidence in our heavenly daddy Just let the Holy Spirit take a moment to, uh, and just allow him to lift the heavy weight of worry and anxiety and fear and uncertainty. And let's just root ourselves in the bold confidence in our Daddy God. Thank you that across this community, we are learning to rise up as sons and daughters, confident, strong, going forward, ready to inherit everything you have for us, Daddy God. Thank you. Thank you. He's going to give you a new view on your situations as well. You think that you see them clearly, but I feel like the Holy Spirit this morning is actually... (laughs) Going to shift your thinking in such a way, he's going to give you fresh eyes to see the circumstances that you think you're stuck in. And um, he's also giving fresh eyes to look at the promises he's spoken over your life. Like sometimes we hold those promises like carrots, like this is what you've promised, but we actually distort it in our, our view of that thing. And the Holy Spirit wants, it's, he's inviting us to fresh lenses this morning of our situations, of the promises over our lives. Thank you, Jesus. I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're just breaking down things that have distorted our vision, our thinking, and you are giving us fresh lenses to see our circumstances, our challenges, um, and opportunities, fresh fresh eyes to see, fresh eyes to see how you are guiding us, Spirit like the spirit is so delighted for us to be led by him he wants to open door upon door but we want to have our eyes as he's moving we follow follow just sense walk in step with him thank you holy spirit and yeah just new eyes to see even the promises that have been spoken over us thank you god